one of the Flames Fancast. Uh, right now it's Wednesday night, 5 o'clock, 30 minutes before the puck drops in Buffalo in what is destined to be one of many must-win games coming up for the Flames here. You're basically, uh, every game you're tuning into from here on out is pretty much playoff hockey for us because uh, we've dug ourselves a hole that's mighty deep and I don't know how we're going to get out of that. But we're going to get to that soon. Uh, tonight's episode is going to be largely about the trade deadline, our goaltending situation, the recent form, and how we're going to shape up with those remaining games. Uh, when Gary Bettman came to town, what was up with that, what he said, what he did, what he didn't say, what he didn't do. And, of course, we're going to look at our playoff chances and then uh, kind of go into a bit of a doom and gloom section about who's culpable for this season. And I wish it was the other way around saying culpability for success. But it's not looking that way right now, so it could be a little bit of a long ride. Buckle up, Jank. <laughs> I, I have none to say. <laughs> I'm like listening to you like a viewer right now, <laughs> or a listener, I guess. Anyhow, um, trade deadline came and went, and we made two moves. We picked up Stewart off waivers. Useless. And, and we got uh, Nick Shore. Useless. From Ottawa. Now, Why, why did we do this? Uh, th- I think I think I think the rationale behind Stewart was why not take a chance at it? It's on waivers because you know once we got re- got rid of Yager, we got to take a chance on another has been player. Mm-hmm. And Nick, sure, I don't I don't know, man. I'm gonna sound harsh, but Stewart was a never was man. I, th- there's no has been there. There was no point of getting this guy. I don't know why we did it. I have the only excuse that I can come up for this club right now is that they wanted to package him with maybe like a Bennett or something and then trade him off. For right? what? I don't know. I have no idea. Like that's who, who would who would take when, Stewart in a package I, when he's on waivers? When I say I'm trying to give an excuse to this organization because there's no other logical reason why we got this guy. Getting a guy for the sake of being a fucking right winger is stupid. There's no point. You might as well get some guy from the farm. Okay, so I'm I I yeah I I I agree. I mean, like what we, the fuck? What if were we, we have an injury that? to Furland, we should consider moving someone else up in that spot. Who exactly? Can, but um, you know what I don't understand about this move is that we get Chris Stewart off waivers and immediately he comes in and fills that spot on our first line immediately. Yeah. Like what? What's and the th- deal with that? And then you, and then you look at tonight's game. He's not even in the lineup. Curtis Lazar is keeping him out of the lineup. Yeah, and that that says a lot. So I, Matt Stajan is keeping him out of the lineup. That even says more things. I, I I don't get it. Like this move was so stupid. Like his cap hits nothing, and fine, whatever. I guess maybe they looked at it as like, you know what? Let's just give it a shot. Like he had maybe one season where he produced something, maybe second line worthy type points. But honestly, what the fuck? That I don't even know what to say. Like this thing. Well, we, you and I can probably rant about this for a good four hours on this, but we're not going to. I just think, looking at both of these moves, what's, what's the end goal in mind? To get, to get depth, I guess? If I'm a guy in the farm, I'm going, what the fuck do I need to do to make this lineup? You guys are signing guys like that. Yeah. Like, you're saying Don Mangiapane, okay. If, if there's a reason for that, then maybe it's because he wasn't performing. Considering you put him on the fourth fucking line, you can't. Nobody can do anything with Lazar and Stajan. It's difficult. It's probably the worst fourth line in the league. And then <laughs> you wouldn't even reunite him on the third line for more than maybe three shifts uh, in total. And then we had an opportunity to put him on that line again when we moved Bennett up to the first line after the 
supposed Stewart, uh, you know, test went horribly wrong. No shit. I mean, everybody on our Twitter feed was saying, what the fuck are we doing? With maybe the odd person coming to the defense of Stewart, which was odd to me. You know, I, I really am curious what goes through the minds of some fans when they get upset at people for being critical about players. There's nothing wrong with being critical. You can still be a fan and be yeah. critical about a player. You know, there, there, and there was, that, there was that guy on Twitter who made that GoFundMe page to buy out Brower, right? Yeah. And I, and I get it. It's, it, it's, it's a below-the-belt punch, but I mean, still, this guy's a fan, and he's not saying, Brower, Brower, you're, you're a piece of shit. You're a terrible human being. He's criticizing his play. Yeah. And he's saying, listen, you are, you are not good enough to be a Calgary Flame. You should be bought out. And this is my way of expressing it. Now, I, I kind of understand why some people took a bit of offense to that. But, A, those same people had probably been ragging on Brower all season. You can't tell me that you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, well, we're I, on record, I don't so we can't. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm saying this guy can say what he wants. Like, he didn't criticize Brower as a person. He criticized Brower's uh, professional uh, capacity. And when you are paid $4.5 million a year and you are not li- you are on the fourth line and you're getting $4.5 million a year, you have to, be, you have to face up to that criticism. And, 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 you know, credit to him. Good response by saying at least have the balls to tag yeah, me yeah. in it. He, he, had, yeah. but, he took uh, it with stride. So but, I'll give him credit. But, like, too. still, the fact remains, man, $4.5 million – that's uh he's that's, killing it man <laughs> that's i don't know i guess you you feel pretty bad if you're brower after that but yeah but i it, guess there's a 4.5 million reasons that, that make you feel okay afterwards there is a i i think you probably agree with this too but yeah maybe you know it went beyond a tasteful situation when he did the gofundme page there was I found it a little funny, for sure. Yeah, it's I mean, I, I giggled mean, it's at it. More but humorous I mean, than anything. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it is probably, and then, and it is far. People but. are saying, oh, this is just so that you can make an extra 50 bucks. Well, don't don't pay f- don't pay to it. Yeah, people I mean, who are paying to it are, like, having a joke and figure out, this guy's worth, you know, beer money for me. Yeah, like, he, they raised, like, $70 or something Was like it, that. Yeah, like, like, some uh, stupid uh, like that. Okay, 70 bucks. A little bit of a joke, but... You know, if you're so upset with it, don't pay. Don't exactly. pay for no it. Exactly. No one is putting a gun to your. And you know, in this age of social media shit, everyone has their voice. Everyone's like kind of a keyboard warrior. I mean, you, you can't do these things without some sort of repercussions on both sides. So well, the guy that did it, okay, you know, it's funny. I mean, I wouldn't take it as seriously as other people would. But I mean, again, as you said, it's more of a it's symbolism toward. What this guy is saying, like, I have a solution. Let's just buy out his contract so that he's gone because I don't like him and I think he sucks. I mean, and at the same time, if, you, if you're disagreeing with that, you tell me the reasons why Brower is justifying what he makes in his role in the team. And I'm saying if, if you are outraged by this, then, you, you know, you've got to back that up by saying, okay, here's why Brower justifies this or doesn't deserve this kind of criticism. But the uh, outrage is still – it's not – it's not a holistic outrage, right? So people will say, you're right, he doesn't deserve it, but, you know, like, everyone's Is using he just, that. He just gets a free, a free pass? Yeah, and that's not right. So you can't, you can't do this having said that notion. Everybody does that now to stay. Nobody likes to take one stance on things anymore. It's like, 
I want to say this about this person, but I'm going to say he's a great guy. I think Brower's a great guy, but he is the world's worst hockey player. I, 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 I don't way, know if he's a good a, guy or it's not. A I have cop no out. I know, but it's character. a cop-out. That's what people are doing, right? And how do they know if he's a good guy? Well, I'm, exactly. They have Thanksgiving dinner with him and his family? As fans, as fans, we have... Yeah. <laughs> they order Swiss Chalet. <laughs> okay, but the... the uh, the number one thing that I want fans to, you know, our 20 listeners to really understand is, you know, these are the types of things that separate the fans, even though the underlying situation here is that we're all in it for the Flames' best interest. So if one guy decides to take it one step too far and go, I'm going to start a GoFundMe page, and whoever wants to put money in it, great, I don't care, and I'm going to not tag Troy Brower, he should have done it, and Troy Brower comes in with good humor and whatever. The old underlying thing here is that that fan is a big fan of the Flames and he just wants the best for them. That's it. Everyone needs to remember that before they start doing these flame wars over Twitter because that's the kind of stuff that doesn't make the fans look good at all. We just got to remember that. He's not trying well, to be a dick. The He's fact that the fans are infighting, they, I know it's, a, it's an idealistic utopia, but I'd like it to be you know, fans are united, right? Fans Absolutely. are brought together by this team. People go out and watch the game and socialize and have a good time and make new friends because of the Flames, not the opposite. Like, I see some of those responses, and it's like, oh, this didn't even come up in my news feed because I'd already blocked this person. Well, what is that saying about the Flames fans as a community, right? Absolutely. We don't want to be like that. We want to create inclusivity, and I, I get it. Some people maybe have a bit of an opinion that you might not agree with, but, again, you have to rise up and kind of see where they're coming from, right? Put it in context. This guy did not say, like, anything remotely bad about Brower. As a person. He just, like, is fed up with him as a hockey player, which I think is the large opinion of most Flames fans. Right. I mean, I have no idea about Brower's character as a person or what he's like. But His that's not what we're here to... <laughs> I'm here to analyze his, his play, and yeah. he is nowhere near justifying his salary. And, and no, that's the no bottom player, line. And no player is above the team. So no. if a player is, is performing poorly, we have every right to look at him and be like, okay, who can do better? Uh, anyone. And don't, <laughs> and don't underestimate the power of unity between the fans and the team. Las Vegas Golden Knights. The unity right there made them the, one of the best teams in the league this year. Look at Florida. The unity after the shooting. I, unfortunately, it took you know pretty extreme events, you know, to get everybody all united. No, but, but I, that's a very the, good point. The that's point an is point. the point is the unity of the fans of the teams make them successful. And I mean, you know, if you look at teams like um, Edmonton, who Connor McDavid was heckled by fans in public, and that's like a big story on TSN because someone said something to Connor McDavid. Mm. But I mean, that's that's where their fans are at. And then their coach had to publicly come out and address that and say he's the last guy I would heckle because he does blah, 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 blah. But, but then you're putting you him know, in a pedestal. And you're putting you him even in a look at when again. Toronto was doing so poorly, how many butt ends of how many jokes were they? Oh, uh, And their tons. own fans. Tons. Like their own fans, you know? But the Flames are going through a bit of a rough patch, and everyone is a bit upset right now because it's a tough time, right? Things are tough. And you're, you're, some people might be resigned to the fact that we might not make the playoffs. 
Others and, might still be like, and it's not over yet. No, definitely like, not. Mathematically, we're still there, and and you know, if we go on a run that you know we we had a run earlier this season, if we can replicate that, I know it's a small shot, but if we can replicate that, we have a good chance. We yeah. just need to win. Unfortunately, we got to win like eight in a row again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> back to the back to the trade deadline. Yeah. I mean. I don't. I don't even. Nick Shore, that not worth discussing. Yeah, has, it, has he even played what a game? What do we talk about? I, I think one, but I mean, guys, like, it w- yeah, you know, so. it just, ah, you know, the upstairs neighbor is playing the <laughs> fucking piano again. I, I'm just gonna lose it. You can hear that, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds nice though. They're a fantastic piano player, a pianist. Okay, must be a great, yeah, the high grade. But whoever fucking change the flooring of that unit like they didn't I- insulate where do they I have a piano in there i don't know how they like even got a right piano in there. Us, directly above us anyhow right now while we're recording this, this yeah it's there's someone playing hell. the piano above us if you yeah. get to hear it um probably enjoy sounds better than we do enjoy it but uh really classing up the place yeah yeah that's uh that's anyway so away. yeah i don't know nick the two sure we're done the nick shore we're done goaltending goaltending so smith hurt and we sucked since Gillies, um, I mean, yes, we can see the potential. Hopefully, Riddick tonight just has a shutdown performance because we're playing Is Buffalo. He yeah. Okay. They got Chad Zonson, and, you know, he wants to one-up us as usual. How many goalies out there want to gazump us? But uh, we really could have used a bit stronger tending lately, that's for sure. Yeah, I... I was hoping almost it feels like almost every team gets this but us, but maybe it's just because we're so focused on the Flames. But this was that story that could have been for Gillies where it's like your number one goalie got injured and here's your chance, kid, and kill it. You know, hope he had that chance, right? Like there's other goalies that just not come to mind right now, but there's been a bunch recently in the last five, six, seven years who became bona fide starters for their teams after some sort of unfortunate circumstance. And that was that chance this time around. And both Riddick and, and, and Gillies, Riddick just seems like he, he seems like a career backup for now. Um, I don't see potential as a starter yet. Um, in terms of Gillies, that's, that, was the, that was kind of that golden nugget that we were hoping for, along with, I guess, Parsons down the road. Um, Gillies did not seize the moment, unfortunately. Um, that Pittsburgh game was a total testament to his – He's just not ready yet. You know, you can't – it's so easy for us to say as guys watching from the couch, but honestly, if the puck is getting cleared from basically the other end boards, mm-hmm. yeah. dude, you got to get that, man. I know some. I know established goalies have, have had their blunders, but – The Malkin goal. But you can't, you can't do that your fourth game in or third game in. Like, that just – that sucks. And, and you were visibly rattled after the, uh, the second goal where – you hesitated playing the puck right away. Malkin took it away, and then they scored on it. Uh, you know, you you just you looked generally rattled. You did recover a bit. You know, the f- the team got rallied behind you. In fact, I think because of that, they just dominated the game after that because we outshot them almost triple in the first period from that alone, I think, after their second goal. Um, but, I mean, fuck. Like, I was hoping for more. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> He was just, you know, I, I'd say as that rookie goalie where you got to seize that moment, 
Take everything simple. Like, don't be cute about it. Don't be behind the boards looking for that absolute bang-up pass. You know, if you keep things simple and you get that 2-1 win or whatever, it's way better than if you made a, a breakout pass and they gave us a 2-1-1 or, or even anything. Like, you're not Mike Smith. You can't handle the puck like that. Don't try and fill shoes that you can't. You don't have the capacity to do. Just play your game. Be yourself. Exactly. And they, they just, you know, I, I don't know if he's told that or what kind of coaching he's getting before he goes in there, but maybe part of it has to do with how we're coaching these goalies because, I mean, this is an opportunity for them. If you're the goalie coach, you're saying, hey, listen, guys, right now, you know, we're not doing anything at the trade deadline. We're showing faith in you guys. Smith is 35, 36 years old. You're the future. And go in there, show us what you can do. Like, just play your game. We know that how good you are. We've seen your numbers in the A. We believe in you. And this is your chance to really just carry on what you've been doing. Don't do anything different. Don't go crazy. Don't feel like you have to make these all of a sudden NHL moves. You just do what you do best. We'll be fine. And, I, I mean, I don't know what went into it, but the fact that it went so catastrophically wrong kind of indicates to me that maybe that coaching element wasn't there. Like that calming presence wasn't there. And just telling the guy to go into the game. I would have pulled Gillies after two quicks. Two quick goals, you're out, man. See, I, I, I would have kept him in like Gullitson did. Just, just, I, would, I would pull him out and just say, don't worry about it. Put it behind you. Um, there'll be plenty of opportunities to come for this. And then that just sends a message to everybody, right? Yeah, but I, I like that he kept him in in the sense that it's like, okay, here's a very unique uh, situation to put you in. You blundered on two goals. And uh, here, you got to learn how to fight out of that too. Sure, but then at least call a timeout or something. Yes, okay. Like, that I agree with because we're not doing he that. He never now. calls a timeout, ever. Ever. Like, we just went 2 nothing down. Call a timeout, 30 seconds on the forwards. Uh, uh, like, this come to Jesus talk here. Like, what the fuck? And then 30 seconds spent on Gillies. Man, just, you know, shake it off. 0 0 game. Do, your, do what you do. Start all over again. Yeah, neither uh, neither one of those things happened. This this timeout thing is not a it's not a uh, it's not a luxury. It's okay, a revolutionary idea. It's to a, Glenn. it's not a luxury, guys. Like use it. It's it, it's there for you to use. It's there for situations like that. I know we rebounded after we went down two nothing without the timeout, but that's not going to happen very often. So that's a rarity. I'm thinking now. Do you think, like I know if you if you make that call, like coach's challenge, right? You get it wrong, you lose your timeout. Yeah. Do you think coaches are reticent to use their timeout because if you use it, you don't get your coach's call? So if you, yeah, I don't know um, the ruling on this. That's a good question, but that should not. Okay, I would put it this way: if you're a coach and you're looking at the game, you're saying like there is a point in time in which I should call this timeout for the sake of rallying my guys back together. I don't think you think about a coach's challenge because what are the odds? We've had how many years has the NHL been established? And the coaching challenge only started what last year? Yeah. So in reality, this this whole league and every team has been performing without coaches' challenges for over like 60, 70 years. Okay. So there's no need for a coach to look at it as in this is an opportunity cost versus uh, well, I mean, win thing. When like, do you think the timeout came into being? 
Probably like mm-hmm. timeout probably wasn't a thing in the thirties. Probably not. But I guess my point is, is that who who cares, right? Like we Yeah. The, it, it was around for Gullitson. Exactly. The timeout should be there if you need it. Don't worry about not being able to have a coach's challenge because the likelihood of a ref having a botched call, which is our next topic, uh, coincidentally, but the the it's chances slim. of a it's botched slim. call uh, that's going to change the game is quite low. Anyway, I know that the refereeing hasn't been great this season, but the botched calls is still a low percentage. So there's no need to sacrifice a timeout for the sake of having a challenge. That's right. I, in, in I my agree opinion, 100%. I, I, yeah, like really. I mean, maybe it was, dude. I don't know. Maybe that was playing in his mind. And I think then it's just a testament to how poor our coaching staff is then. If that's truly how they think, that's poor. Yeah. And I know that Quenville probably wouldn't fucking do that. Uh, Quenville's not attainable. He's with Chicago. No, well, I understand I mean, unless that. Unless they but fire him because, well, well, I if think they don't Chicago's make the playoffs, off season was coming. If they, if they don't make the playoffs. There's just nothing left in their I tank. Could, you know what? If they don't make the playoffs, dude, and we fire Gulletson and we go balls out for Quenville, I, I don't see why he would say no. Yeah, but that means Chicago has to fire Quenville. When is his contract up? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I, the, the amount I think I there's a way to Chicago get him. is very, very, very yeah, little. Me too, but I think there's a way to get him. Yeah, wow. Well, they may fire him. I mean, he's been there for long enough, right? And they didn't make the playoffs. They didn't play very inspiring hockey this season. So if you're Chicago and you want to retool a little bit, then maybe you start with the staff. They've been there since forever. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that, though. Anyway. We'll get to that. But uh, like you said, refing calls, uh, good old... Michael Backlund and had goalie interference. What the fuck? How could you? Fuck was How that? could you? This goalie interference thing is out of control. Like that was that was ludicrous. That was the worst call since like, the how fucking Jonah. How do you look goal. at that as a ref afterwards and be what do you what do you do? You just like whatever? Well, do you say do you justify it if you're a ref? Like are you that biased about it maybe that you say, "Well, his skate hit him." It's like, "Well, yeah, but his I own think player. some refs I think some refs do. They must because there's no other reason why he would have made that call. And I mean, I think they I think a ref is just like whatever. I think the Weidman thing, man, team refs hate us. And that Weidman thing came up lately about his court case and the Alberta judge sent it to a meet or an arbitrator for the NHL. And, you know, you saw the hit again and they just showed that one angle that just makes it look like he's steamrolling the guy, right? Yeah. And <laughs> I think the refing like, has been bad toward us for sure. Yeah, it's been bad generally, but I mean, it's been bad for us. But in fairness, there was that, I think it was against Edmonton. They had a play where McDavid apparently touched the goalie, but he barely touched our goalie, and they waved it off. I, I remember, probably the only time I'll, I'll ever say something positive about the Oilers, but they, McDavid's, like, the toe of his skate, like, nicked uh, Smith's pad. And uh, he was, and they called it off. And I remember when they won that game in overtime against us, he went up right up to the ref and he was like, is that a goal? You should check that. Because he was totally mocking the guy for fucking calling his goal off for goaltender interference, which has been a, it's been a fucking pandemic this season somehow. I don't don't remember any other season of being this fucking prevalent in the news. Have you? No. This is fucking insane. Well, that's because of the coach's challenge, right? It's under the spotlight now. Before it was just like it was just like anything else in the NHL, just like roughing, just like slashing, just like hooking. You know, refs kind of call it if it's that bad. 
Goaltender interference was the same thing. If it's that bad, we're going to call it. Now, coaches challenge, every single call is looked at. So now it's under the microscope. You can't coach challenge, you can't do a challenge for slashing. You can't do it for hooking, right? And you can you still see they tried to get rid of all that slashing, but there was that game, I don't remember when. We had a, I think it was Backlund was in on a breakaway, and it was an absolute blatant slash to yeah, his hands. Two-handed, yeah. He, I remember that. He like could barely get the shot off, and there was no call. Like that should have been a straight penalty shot. Like it was just reach around and whack, and you know two things are said about it, and that's it. That's it. But this goalie interference thing—it's the coach's challenge. You're looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. Everyone has an opinion, and you're even watching the game on TV. You hear what they think they're going to say. They're, and then now they start saying, like, oh, this was a quick one, or oh, this is taking a long time. Who knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Even the commentators can't guess right half the time. I, I, don't, I actually don't even like Coach's Challenge. I, no, I don't know why don't they like even phase that in. Well, then why do we have Toronto? Why do we have the uh, Situation Room? Because if you have the Coach's Challenge, then you're allowing the referees to just review the play by themselves – uh, at the uh, at the press box or wherever whatever that thing is called where the score scorekeepers are, like w- what's the point of having Toronto then? Because weren't they supposed to call in and stop the game whenever they saw something before this coaches challenge thing happened? I, don't I mean know. we maybe we, that's we not exper- functioning like it should be. Well, we know that firsthand because we won the cup and fucking yeah. Anyway, so I'm <laughs> not gonna get into that, but there's no point in having the coaches challenge if you have some sort of central intelligence agency of the nhl in toronto there's the situation room there was no point in doing this i find the coach challenge extremely distracting it ruins the momentum of games yes and you know what it's so petty like i've seen i've seen plays where the guy is like fractionally offside like fractionally like it the, takes those ones i hate it takes literally a microscope to fucking figure out if the skate was offside or not what is the point i mean who cares like, okay, yeah, it breaks the rule. Like, okay, yeah, he was offside. But really, isn't part of the game allowing it us to have mistakes too? Like, this game did not become popular because of coaches' challenges. This game became popular years and years and years before all this stuff starts to get implemented. Before, they, before games were televised. Absolutely. And the game has only gotten better because the quality of the players that come into this league have, excuse me, have have grown substantially and you look at every draft class year it has been improving since the 2000s and now what's happening is that because players are so much faster so much you know so much smarter and they they hit the puck harder and all this stuff you know you're you're also in inhibiting that skill because you're slowing the game down if they're becoming that fast that you need a microscope to find out they're offside then maybe you don't need the microscope let the game flow because sure shit, I'm sure the other team will come back and score again. Yeah. I, I hate that we're – it feels like the NHL has missed the flow this season in general. They have. I've watched a lot of games this year, and the amount of coaching challenges is just too much in my mind. And, I mean, I think you need consistency on what you're going to call for a penalty. Exactly. Uh, across the league, not just in each game. If the players figure out where the ref standard is, I think you need to know this is a penalty. And I, I, I really think they need to crack down on that slashing because it's just absurd. Like, right in on the hands and wrists, that's that's no good. Yeah. Like, it's just you see these guys coming and shaking because it, it hurts. It does. And 
And we slashed Crosby that last game. We didn't get a call for it. Yeah. And I mean, Johnny we're, gets we're, slashed we're how many times? Too. Gil- Johnny gets slashed so much. Yeah. But, you know, if you're Crosby, you can get away with, like, arguing about it for five minutes because that's what he did. He yeah, argued well, with the ref nonstop. And, and Crosby, Johnny, you can do a lot. I know. And Johnny did the exact same thing the game before. And guess what? He gets fucking kicked out. So you got to be consistent, guys. Like, I know some players, the star players, sometimes they get the benefit of the doubt. But if you want to start a coaching challenge shit, then you should probably treat all the fucking players the same then, too. You might as well be consistent throughout the board. Consistency, hey? That'd be nice. It would be nice. But speaking of the Flames, we need some consistency and some wins. Yes. So our recent form, we, we did come back. Let's not forget, we were 2 nothing down fast against Pittsburgh. We came back, and we took it to overtime. Overtime was kind of a, a gong show for us because, A, that, that Goudreau chance, and B, that defending on the, uh, the goal they scored. But uh, we got a point in Pittsburgh. No terrible feat. And we're in a bit deep, but uh, recent form, not great. Do you think we can turn it around? We got to win, like, I think we basically have to win the next at least 10 well, of our next what, 15. Or Buffalo tonight, Ottawa Friday. Those are you, four yeah. points. It has well, to it has be to four be. points. If you don't get four points out of this, you're pretty much done. But I think, like... Guys, we, we need to be we need that another seven eight game run right now, and see what happens. And, and a lot of the teams we're playing are right above home. us. Well, yeah. So this one, this next two three games are not within our division, but we're gonna be playing L.A., Anaheim, San Jose. Well, we're playing Arizona, Edmonton too. Yeah, like, but you know the guys that are above us right now in the standings, you have to have at least a point or two points between you once again to stretch of playing those guys max three points max well i think you, you don't want four you don't want you know five. i think we're at least four or five down now right now that's what i mean like we got to start winning now you don't want to be too far behind those guys when you play them because beating them won't it won't be the deal breaker for the for the uh, playoff run what what we really need is when we're playing those divisional rivals san jose la anaheim even vegas Vegas is up there, so hopefully they, they, they you know, take the foot off the gas for us because <laughs> they want to play us. Uh, we, we cannot let those games go to overtime. We need two points clean. Yep. And, I mean, it all sounds like a bit of a fantasy right now, but that's, that's what needs to happen. We basically need to beat Buffalo. We need to beat Ottawa. We need to beat New York. We need to get six points, and then we need to have our games – Against the teams that are in the race above us right now, we need to win those with two points. And I mean, sadly, it's really, really tough, and it's 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 hard to do. But that's where we're at. If we're gonna make the playoffs, this is what needs to be done. And maybe you need to look at the games in threes. Like, do we have fifteen games left, including this? I think we it's have like, just fifteen. Yeah. So look at it in threes. We have five rounds of three games now. Okay. Let's play them by the threes. Just be like, okay, let's win our three, and then go from there. Like you gotta, you you can't just take it game by game anymore. You have to look at it from a from a final destination aspect. Now, you have to fucking win at least four of those five series at this point to make the playoffs. I think you need some like ninety six points or some shit like that. I think that's what the yeah. pundits are saying. So fuck, man. I don't think it'll be. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it'll be that high for the Pacific. Maybe not, but we'll see, right? Because you these teams know. are all playing each other too. And there's only so many, of course, unless, of course, you know, the L.A. and San Jose games all go to overtime and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's the other problem. And that's 
what I'm trying to build in here because there will be a lot of overtime games. The problem with overtime, this fucking 2-1 system with overtime right now is because guys that are kind of in playoff spots but and they have a bit like a three- or four-point gap, they're going to be just fine parking the bus when the game's tied with the third period with like two minutes left. Yeah. They're not going to go for the two points because they say, I'd rather get the one point, play the shittiest hockey that people have ever watched. Thank you, NHL, for this, by the way. And I'm just going to park the bus. Whereas the Flames now, they can't do that. They got to go for the two points in regulation every fucking time. Well, they got to get their two points before regulation. Exactly. Um, so this is the other problem with, with this stretch at this point. If you made it three points in regulation, two points for overtime win, one for an overtime loss, then I think our chances would have been better. I mean, their rationale for doing that, I don't even know what it is, but I think it's, it's something about stupid. it makes the playoff race more exciting. It doesn't. It's par- Everyone's going to be parking the bus. We're going to watch the last 10 games of all these teams that are in like 6th, 7th, 8th place. They're going to be just sitting there fucking parking their asses in the net, making sure they get at least one point. It's bullshit. I mean, if you see a team day in, day out playing for three points each night, you're going to get more exciting games, Absolutely. period. That, there's a, this is a no-brainer, and no one's going to be able to convince me otherwise on this. Teams are going well, to want to win every exactly. game. There's three points on the line. Exactly. Two point, three points seems like a lot. Every yeah, game's two points. Oh, everyone else can get one point if they tie. Well, if I get three and my buddy gets one, it's a big difference. Yeah. There's a two-point swing all of a this sudden. This is professional hockey. They don't need a fucking loser point, okay? Like, it's just dumb. It's like rewarding people for failure. It's like giving the Oilers, like, four first overall picks. <laughs> Wait. 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 Okay, are, are, they, are they up for it? Are we going to do it? Can well, they the do game, it? The game just started, so they look okay. But, yeah. I, th- I think we got to win the next three games. I think if they can go on a three-game winning streak, I think we can do it. But if we can't get a three-game winning streak out of these next three games, forget it. I, I, don't, I want them to make the playoffs, but I just don't see it. It's just not happening. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm pulling for them all the way. Like, every game I'll be watching. But the hole we've dug ourselves is just too big. Yeah. And the teams ahead of us, Anaheim, San Jose, L.A., and Vegas, Vegas is in, and those three teams are—they are March, April teams. They are competitors. They get hot this time of year, and you know, right now both wild card spots are in the central, aren't they? And they've got a race for those wild card spots and those 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 spaces themselves. So we are we are the 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 team who's looking out here we are on the extreme outside and looking in and i think we're just going to be left out in the cold I'm the, the worst part is that at many points in the season our destiny was in our own hands and we, now yeah, it's not yeah yeah now we have to wait for other results and that that's a shitty place to be in so if you, even if we win let's say our next six seven games like we have to hope that the guys above us lose right and those games against them are going to be pretty key but we'll see. We gotta we Look gotta at gain that some speed from staging. We gotta yeah. <laughs> we gotta get some points here because this is getting fucking ridiculous. Just to wrap it up, because uh, we need to win and oh and we want to wa- and we want to watch the game because terrible player. Um, culpability for this season. Um, even if let's just say we make the playoffs or we don't make the playoffs. If we make the playoffs, I'm pretty sure we're out first round. I'm pretty sure. 
I hope we're not, but I mean, I can't really see us beating, beating a Vegas or beating a Nashville or a Winnipeg. I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, predictions at the beginning of the year put us close to the top of the Pacific, especially considering the deals we'd made towards strengthen our defense and that our our second line, the 3M line, turned out to be one of the strongest lines in the NHL, and we had Goudreau and Monaghan up top. And they had a rocket start. They've gone a bit cold lately, but, you know, they're amazing players. Uh, who is who, – who holds the most culpability for – the shortcomings of this season, and that's putting it nicely, the shortcomings. Yeah. I think we should talk about this more and more as we do the podcast as this season winds up, and I think we should start it now for sure. And I, I would point toward the coaching more so than anything. Uh, the, the coaching has been very, very poor. Uh, I, you want to blame the players too a little bit because ultimately they're the guys on the ice that need to put the results in, but – there's just been so many times where you just kind of shake your head at Galtzen and his staff and go like, what the fuck were you thinking? Well, Bringing this guy up or playing this guy on this line or keeping this guy on the ice after he did this and that. It's just like, come on. So I'm pointing towards the coaching staff more than anything at this point. Um, it's not their fault that Johnny can't hit the net, for example, in overtime against Pittsburgh there when he literally had four seconds in front of the net with Ed Monaghan actually coming in to support. You can't coach that, but what you can coach is when, you know, Froelich gives the puck away for a goal and you leave him on the ice. That shit's stupid. (laughs) And uh, our power play being so ineffective as it is, that's a coaching thing because we're doing the same fucking play over and over again. And I, I I honestly wouldn't expect my players to be overly creative to the point where they create their own plays real time on the ice. That's what practice is for, and that's what your coaching staff is for. They got to teach them how to do the power play better. This drop pass to Johnny, what the fuck? Yeah. It's every fucking game. And I'm getting, like, everyone's figured us out completely. There's, we, we're so ineffective on the power play, yet we have probably one of the, we probably have a great mix of players for the power play. I mean, we're pretty dominant three on three. Yeah, when we have no. Johnny and Monaghan on we at the are, same time. We are, we are a strong overtime team. Yeah, like when we have not a shootout team, but an no, overtime we're not team. No, we're not a shootout team. But when we have the odd man uh, up, we should be incredibly strong. We have one of the best puck handlers in the league, and for whatever reason, we can't seem to get it done. And it's too one-dimensional. And I, I just blame the coaching right now a lot more than anything. I blame I blame the Saddle Dome. Um, it's the Saddle Dome's <laughs> fault. That we are where we are. We lose our home games because the players can't take a shit in those toilets without it getting plugged. Um, the showers suck. You've got like uh, Johnny's pubes clogging up the drain, and no one's fixed that. And like they just get upset, you know. They need everything to be uh, like a spa in there, and it's not. It's because the building is from uh, 1980s, and it's flooded. And uh, they're tired of seeing mint floor coverings as the sponsor when they look to see all those empty seats because people aren't showing up because the team is uh, not what they expected and they'd rather just drink $10 beers in Duttons. So it's the Saddledome's fault that we're so shit. Um, yeah, it's the building. And Gary Batman, it's his fault too that we're shit. He's well, a prick. Nobody likes him. But uh, it's the Saddledome's fault. It's all the dome. 
You know, th- no one has mentioned Dome Beer being crack beer this year or heroin beer. No one. The Saddle Dome is not doing the things they need to do to make us win. It's not. It's not holding up its end of the bargain. Is that why we have a better away record? Yes. <laughs> oh! Come on. We Sammy got- scored. There it is. Wow. Finally. That was, it. That was like, I thought... Calgary would do a play like that. All right, we're actually winning the game. It's a good start. You know why? Because we're not at the Dome. It's great. (laughs) Exactly. Let's win our games. Thanks for listening. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at FlamesFanCast. You can email us, FlamesFanCast at gmail.com. We'd love to address your questions, comments, concerns, how much you do or do not like Swiss Chalet. All of those things are valid. Um, Keep that culpability question in mind. Hopefully uh, we can talk about who's culpable for the Flames' playoff success in the future. If not, it could be a lot more of a setting podcast. But hey, take care of yourself. Enjoy the game. Bye-bye.